in the Bible say we're going to look at the passage which Bill has just read of Jesus being anointed by Mary and and as we're moving towards Easter weekend, uh, there's an event which is useful for us to look at. Uh, I wonder whether you're familiar uh, with the accounts of uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, perhaps you've been a Christian for many years and uh, you've heard them often preached through the, through the year, but particularly at Easter time. And in that sense, they're, they're very familiar to you, uh, to us. Most remarkable events. <coughs> previous chapter we're told about uh, Lazarus being raised to life. <laughs> he had been dead for four days uh, as Jesus commanded him to come out and he obeyed and Lazarus was at this feast and uh, later some people came because they wanted to see this resurrected man and uh, so Lazarus was there. Uh, the, the next event following our reading uh, is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and the acclamation of the crowds, huge crowds, acclaiming him as their coming king. Again, an amazing event. And of course, the background to it all is the, the growing opposition of uh, Jewish leaders to Jesus. They've already determined uh, that they want him put to death. Um, Caiaphas, who was high priest, uh, said, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He didn't mean uh, that he believed that Jesus' sacrifice would be a blessing to the nation, but his death would save them in the sense that they wouldn't lose their temple, and uh, therefore it was better that he be expended. And uh, indeed, the opposition is increasing, and people have been told that if they find out where Jesus is, they should report it so that he might be arrested. So there's a degree of, of tension uh, as well in the air. And in that context, uh, an amazing uh, dinner is held, a banquet uh, to uh, honour the Lord Jesus Christ. And it raises a question immediately for us, doesn't it? Do we honour Jesus? That was the purpose of this meal. It was held at Bethany, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And uh, soon after the events of chapter 11, and they wanted to respond to the person of Jesus and the amazing things that he had done. Earlier in John's gospel, uh, Jesus talks about the importance of honoring the son as we honor the father. So it wasn't just a token honoring, it was recognizing the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, later in the upper room, when Jesus was with the disciples, he said that he was going away, but he said another comforter, another helper will come. And uh, he said, he will take from what is mine and reveal it to you. He will glorify me by doing that. And uh, so giving glory to Jesus is something which uh, the Father and the Son do. Uh, and all who know and who love Jesus honor him. And uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus uh, knew and loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so too, uh, we are to consciously honour the Lord Jesus Christ whenever we gather to worship God together and in our lives day by day to honour him. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commands. That's one way of honouring him. So let's look at the passage and look first of all at Mary. 
And uh, the overall theme that I've taken for this study is loving Jesus, uh, because she is a great example of someone who loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And she loved him with an extravagant love and devotion. It comes out uh, earlier on in the ministry of Jesus when Jesus visited the home of Mary and Martha and uh, when they entertained him and his disciples. And uh, Martha was busy doing all the things that needed to be done, but we're told that Mary sat at his feet listening to his words. Uh, you see, it wasn't that Mary never helped around the house, but this particular day when Jesus came, she knew that the really important thing to do was to listen to him. And she had listened to him. She'd listened to his teaching because Jesus had often spoken after two years of being with the disciples of what was going to happen, how he would be betrayed, how he would be killed and on the third day would rise again. And uh, Mary has a, a spiritual perception, a spiritual receptivity to, to what is happening. She's because she's listened to the words of Jesus. She's taken them in because she loves him and uh, she loves to listen to what he says. She had chosen the better part and Jesus said it would not be taken from her. And, and what she'd done in listening to the words of Jesus now uh, came to fruition in this uh, act she undertook uh, at the dinner in his honour. And it seems that she was aware that the final conflict, the final climax was near. She sensed that events were moving towards them, uh, living in Bethany, not far from Jerusalem. They no doubt were aware of the growing opposition to Jesus and the strong desire to silence him because so many people were following him. And so she does something uh, on this particular evening which she could not have done a week later. It was six days before the Passover. And uh, it was at that time that Jesus would die. He would be anointed then, but he anoints, she anoints him while he's still living. You know, there are times, aren't there, when we have opportunities to do things. And sometimes we feel as if we let them pass. And, and we wish that we'd acted uh, at the right time and, and we've missed it. But Mary didn't miss it. This was her occasion to do it. He was in their home and uh, he wouldn't be in their home again. And uh, she anointed him. And uh, now was the time to do it. And uh, she's a great example to us at that. And so she comes and uh, she brings what the NIV says is a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Uh, whenever we read of Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. Uh, she's a humble believer. Uh, when he came to their home with his disciples, she sat at his feet and listened to what he said. When he came, to Bethany when Lazarus had died, uh, she fell at his feet when she saw him. And now as she honours him, uh, she anoints his feet with this expensive 
perfume, pure nard, which came from India. It may well have been a sort of family heirloom, something that had been passed down to her. Uh, it seems the family was fairly well-to-do, um, but nevertheless, this was a very precious thing that had been given to her. It was something that provided for her future security. Uh, if ever she was in need, she could sell her pure nard and get money from it, a, a good sum. Uh, in fact, when uh, Judas later says that it's worth a year's wages, uh, he's correct. It's worth 300 denarii, and denarii was, the denarii was a, a laborer's wage for a day. And uh, so it was extremely precious. And she freely and fully offers this gift to Jesus. She doesn't pour a little bit of it on his feet. She pours it all. It's no wonder that the fragrance filled the house. Uh, later, when Jesus had died, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus would bury Jesus. Uh, and they would bring 75 pounds of spices uh, to uh, anoint his dead body. But here she is. She just pours all of this perfume on his feet. And uh, she wipes his feet with her hair. It's a sign of extravagant love and devotion. Uh, she wants him to know just how much she loves him. Of course, what she does, even though it's extravagant, is nothing compared to what he is going to do when he offers nothing less than his life, his own lifeblood, uh, for the salvation of his people. But she chooses the most precious thing she has, and she pours it out at Jesus' feet. And uh, it's a wonderful example of, of love for Jesus. And there was a, a, a wonderful fragrance that filled the house. You know, whenever Christians are uh, in love with Jesus and totally devoted to him, then there is a, a degree of extravagance. There's nothing that we can do which is too great for him. Isaac Watts says, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And in a sense, this offering of, of the uh, pure nard is, is an offering of Mary's life. She pours out her love to the Saviour. And all can uh, smell the fragrance of the perfume. And, you know, wherever there is a, a life being lived for Jesus, whether it be uh, in a neighbourhood, uh, in a place of work or study, and that life is being lived wholeheartedly for him, there's a fragrance. There's something special about that life. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And, and Christian lives are to shine because we, we love Jesus and when we love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and mind. And, and Mary is a challenge to us, really, isn't she? Because she, she makes us ask, well, how much do I love the Lord Jesus Christ? It's not just simply in terms of uh, the financial value of this nard, uh, but the significance of the act. We, we sing hymns, don't we, sometimes, uh, which 
cause us to stop and think, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. We want to give our all to the Lord Jesus Christ, not just a token, uh, not just a little bit, but all that we are. I remember hearing a story from uh, one of our lecturers in college, uh, an evangelical Christian, and he was saying that as a, as a child he, he went to an evangelistic campaign in Ammonford, uh, where his father was a minister. And it was one of those campaigns where they, they needed to raise the money uh, to cover the cost of the campaign. And uh, so uh, on the last evening, uh, the evangelist was appealing for people uh, to support financially uh, the mission. And he said, I had some money in my pocket. And uh, in old terms, he talked about the coins. And as the appeal came out, he said, well, I've got half a crown here. I'll, I'll give that. But it was one of those appeals that went on and on. And so then he said, well, I actually had a, a pound as well. So I thought I'll, I'll give a pound. And the appeal continued and he thought, well, I'll, I'll give the pound and the half crown. And then he thought, well, no, I'll, I'll give all the money I've got in my pocket. And then he said, I realized that what I needed to give was not my money, but my life. And to offer my life, my worthless life, uh, to the Saviour who loved me and gave himself for me. Is, is, our, is our Christian life still characterised by that extravagant love and devotion that Mary shows here uh, in Bethany, just a matter of days before uh, Jesus was to die? It was the right time to do it. And uh, she did it with all her heart. And she did it gladly. There, there was no sense in her mind of, of, of sacrifice. Um, because uh, she just simply gave what she had because she loved the Saviour. So we, when we give in that way, we don't count the cost and, and say how wonderful we are. We just really count it as, as very little. And the fact that she anointed his feet as she had sat at his feet indicates her, her humility. She was a humble follower of the Lord. Well, there was a response. Uh, the other gospel writers tell us from the other disciples, but John particularly highlights the response of Judas Iscariot. And he was a covetous man, and he resented Mary's devotion. Uh, he was later to betray Jesus, and he objected to what she had done. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. That, that's a, a terrible thing to do, he said. That's a waste to pour all that perfume, so valuable, on the feet of Jesus. His spirit is so different, isn't it, from the spirit of, of Mary. And John adds, he didn't say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Uh, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in. So he was looking after the money of Jesus and the apostles. But he was a pilferer. He helped himself to the money. And no doubt he was thinking if Mary had sold that perfume and put the money into our little joint account, I'd have been able to help myself to even more. It's significant that Judas betrayed Jesus uh, for money. And though later he threw it away, that was part of his reason for betraying Jesus. He didn't want to betray him for nothing. And of course, he was already estranged from Jesus. He, he's a sad 
sad case, a tragic character. Three years he spent with Jesus, but he wasn't honoring him at this dinner. He, he was already thinking about betraying Jesus. And uh, he was in it for what he got out of it. He wasn't giving to Jesus. He wanted to take the money from Jesus and the disciples. And uh, he didn't care for anybody but himself. And uh, though he talks about the poor and pretends to have a concern for them, uh, really his concern is for himself. And uh, it makes us realize that that sin is something which can easily spread through our lives. We, we can trace in some ways the, the decline of Judas uh, through the course of the Gospels. And, and he begins, we're told here, by, by taking money, stealing money from the common fund. And uh, then in the end, he betrays his Lord with a kiss. And uh, then he dies in despair. And it reminds us, doesn't it, how, how sin can spread through our lives. So it, it, we, we give in to a small temptation and we think, well, I'll just do it once. I won't do it again. And then we do it again and again. And then we do other things. And, and our conscience uh, is seared. And Judas's conscience was seared. And uh, he was ready to steal, but also ready to betray his Lord. And he also felt he had the right to tell others how to love Jesus. He saw nothing beautiful in what Mary did. In fact, he resented her. Why would she want to do that for the Lord Jesus? And uh, so he's ready to criticize her and uh, to take her to task. He, he doesn't see nothing that he did had any beauty about it. It wasn't an expression of love and devotion. He was just following on and his heart was estranged from the savior. Now, now Judas is a unique case. And I don't think any of us should say, well, I'm like Judas. Uh, he is the one who it was written would betray Jesus. Um, but there are times, aren't there, when something of the spirit of Judas can be revealed in us. Uh, when we see other Christians who love the Lord Jesus in a more extravagant and costly way, than we do. And uh, we want to discourage them. Uh, during my time at UFM, I met many people who felt God was calling them to go to another country in order to tell people the gospel or to help to equip the church to do so. And it was always a great encouragement to meet someone, perhaps an individual or a couple, a family. And uh, they came to talk about what it would mean if they went to a particular country to serve in mission. And they tell me what jobs they did or one of them did um, about uh, their whole life and family. And, and they say, so if we were to apply uh, to serve in mission, what would be the process? And I tell them what was involved uh, and they would have to give up their job. Uh, they would need to do some training. They would need to raise financial support. Um, then they would need to go to the country where they're working and almost always learn a language. And when you describe the process, it'd be several years before they really began to, to work and to serve in that country. And uh, it was always a cause for amazement to me and, and also great joy when people said, right, we're, we're ready to do that. But then sometimes they tell me, you know, it hasn't been easy for us. 
um, because there have been people telling us, you, you don't need to go to another country to serve the Lord Jesus. Sometimes family members said, we, we don't want you to go. We, we don't want to lose you. We don't want you to be in another part of the world far from us. Uh, sometimes Christians, the new mature Christians would say, well, can't you serve the Lord here? Uh, sometimes even church leaders would say, well, we need you here. Uh, you could serve the Lord just as well here as you could in the particular country they were going to. And uh, it was often in the face of that uh, kindly counsel in one sense, but opposition that people had to say, but, but I feel the Lord is calling me to this work and I'm going to be obedient to that call. And so wherever there is an extravagant love for Jesus, devotion to him, which involves the offering of ourselves and our lives, there'll be those who say, you don't need to do that. Because the reality is perhaps that many of us who, who serve the Lord at home, we only serve him with a little. We don't pour the whole perfume out, but just a little, because it's expensive and we use it sparingly. And we want others uh, to do the same. And so Mary shows extravagant love and devotion. Judas, a covetous man, resents her devotion. But Jesus commends Mary's love and devotion. Uh, because when he hears Judas speaking, he says, leave her alone. Uh, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Leave her alone. He says, don't bother her. And remember, of course, this society, this Jewish society of the first century was a, a male dominated society. And so often men would bring women what they ought to do. But uh, Jesus says that uh, she has done a, a beautiful thing for me. Um, and uh, it's important uh, that she's not in any way criticized or condemned and uh, and really Jesus is saying he values what she's done because she has taken what she would have used perhaps to anoint his dead body dead body for burial to express her love for him when he's alive and as we've seen already she takes the opportunity because here he is in her home and she shows him how much she loves him. Uh, we had a, a lady who served in mission in West Africa and uh, it was a poor country and uh, there were many requests for financial help for cho children's school fees or for their uniforms or for medical treatment. Uh, and every day almost there was a knock at the door from people in real need asking for help and, and it was a, a very demanding situation. Uh, Jesus says you will always have the poor among you, that's the reality of life isn't it, that poverty uh, is part of this world sadly. Uh, Jesus is not commending it but he's saying that's what it's like and uh, this lady and her husband would, would often uh, help people financially. They were very wise in how they did it but they helped many many people. And one day a lady came to them and asked for help for some medical treatment. And she said to them, you know, I will repay you uh, for 
or all the money that you give me. Now, some people said that, but they weren't all a always able to do it. But uh, sometime later, this lady came uh, one morning and said to the, the missionary lady, uh, I brought back the money which you lent me and I'm so thankful that you helped me in the way that you did. And she brought all the money uh, back. She'd saved it from her, her very limited income. And uh, the missionary lady said, well, that, that's wonderful that you've done that. Thank you very much for bringing it back. She said, is there anything that you, you would really like for yourself? And the lady who was an older lady said to her, well, you know, uh, when I sleep at night, she said, I, I don't have a, a proper mattress to sleep on. Uh, and she said, often my bones ache in the morning when I wake up. And uh, the missionary lady took the money which the lady had just given to her and she gave it back to her and she said, you know, I think it would be good for you to use this money to buy a mattress for yourself. And I thought, what a, a wonderfully kind thing to do. This lady was a lady of integrity. She paid her debts, even though she didn't have much money, but it was possible to help her and uh, to enable her uh, to have something that she really needed. And I thought, that's a beautiful thing to do. In Galatians, Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. And there are many ways in which we can do beautiful things. This was a beautiful thing for Jesus. We can't do it for him as Mary could. He's not with us in that way. But in his name, we can help those who are in need and honour him in the way that we do it. And she gave what she could have kept. Uh, there was no obligation for her to do it. It was a free will offering uh, that she made. Recently, Margaret and I were watching a, uh, a DVD which uh, told the story of the, the five missionaries who, who died seeking to reach the Alka Indians uh, in Ecuador many years ago. And uh, one of them was Jim Elliot. And I'm sure you know the story. It went on to tell about how Elizabeth Elliot and her daughter went back and lived amongst the people. And Nat Saint's sister went back too. And how many of them who had been involved in the killing of those five missionaries were converted. And uh, God did a wonderful work amongst them. And uh, when Jim Elliot was uh, responding to God's call to be a missionary and uh, People said to him, why are you wasting your life going to those people when you could stay here in America and you could have a good career and a, a good income and, and enjoy a good quality of life? That was before they ever anticipated that he might die. And he said, you know the saying, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mary knew that if he kept that nod until she died, it would just be passed on. And she thought, how can I use it? And she thought, I'll use it to anoint Jesus' body for burial, preparing him beforehand, showing my love for him. When everybody's ganging up against him, when people are plotting to kill him, I'll show him how much I love him and I'll honour him in that way. And uh, she was really doing what the disciples would later be taught to do. Uh, when Jesus uh, washed their feet in the upper room and uh, said, 
that he had set them an example, that he sh they should do as he had done to them, that they should wash one another's feet and humbly serve one another. It's that spirit of service, costly devotion, uh, gold of obedience, an incense of lowliness, uh, the hymn writer speaks, as we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And so Jesus sees those acts of love and devotion, and he commends Mary. He stands over against Judas. He defends Mary and what she has done. And, you know, no, no one who has really given up a great deal to serve the Lord feels that they've done anything in comparison to what Jesus has done for us. And uh, it's interesting to see the, the sequel, uh, what happened. Well, a crowd of people uh, came uh, to see not just Jesus, but Lazarus as well. And uh, you know, to see this man who'd been raised to, to life. And uh, many of them uh, believed in him. They put their faith in him. They believed he really was the Christ, that the ultimate conflict is coming. And uh, in that sense, the events that are coming cannot be stopped. And uh, so the chief priests, and this is amazing, isn't it? And tragic. Uh, when they realized that Lazarus was encouraging people to believe in Jesus, decided that they'd kill him as well as Jesus. How blind can you be? How wicked can you be? This man had been raised to life and they want to kill him again because on account of him, many of the Jews are going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And you know, there's a conflict going on in our world today, isn't there? A, a really serious conflict in the Western world, especially. And uh, there's great opposition to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's the context here. And in this dinner to honor him, those who love him, honor him. And Mary especially uh, shows her devotion for him. And, and that's what we're called to do, not to be deflected by the enemies, not to be afraid of them, um, but to show our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our gener this present generation is not at first interested in the things that we believe. Many of them are concerned most of all in what difference our faith makes to our life. And this beautiful thing, which, which Mary did, uh, would have made people say, well, why did you do that? And she would say, well, because Jesus is who he says he is. And you know, he, he raised my brother to life and I cannot thank him enough. And Christians say, he raised me to life and he took away my sins. And he gave me the gift of eternal life and nothing I can give for him is too much. And, you know, those acts, those acts of devotion, that life of, of love is a fragrance that spreads through the world and it draws people to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was nothing attractive about the Jewish religious leaders, about the Pharisees. They were legalists. They were hypocrites. And they were haters of Jesus. But here's Mary. She honours Jesus. She loves him. And Jesus commends her. May, may he help us uh, to love him with the same devotion and extravagance and to gladly serve him all our days.